you've said something that you didn't mean to say. And you go away thinking, if only I hadn't said that. If only I have that moment again where I could change what I've said or how I've acted. And some you go away and you think, oh, I, I, I would have had such a brilliant retort to that remark. I could have really done something different. I could have said something different. How I many of you have ever thought, I wish I hadn't taken that route. I wish I had gone the way I planned to go in the first place. I wouldn't have got stuck in this traffic jam for hours. If only, if only I can go back. If only I knew, I knew then what I know now, how different I would be, how different I would react. And with this in mind, you know, we, we look at the story that William just read to us. And the first thing we notice in the story, the parable that Jesus told, is this unbelievable reality of eternity. Luke 16 tells us two men. Jesus told the parable about two men. And this is the first time that Jesus ever mentioned a name in a parable. It was always two men or two women or some people. He never mentioned a name. But in this instance, he called one of the men Lazarus. And when we listen to the story, we get the impression these two men are completely opposite. They are, they are the exact opposite. But when we take a closer look, we find that they have a lot more in common than we first thought. One man is described as very rich, extremely rich, and the other an absolute pauper. His only possession in life is his name. Jesus called him Lazarus. The rich man, on the other hand, had many, many possessions. You know, the Bible commentary, Matthew Henry's Bible commentary said, he had everything, servants, a mansion. He, he was beloved by the whole town. Everybody knew him. He was an upstanding member of society, a local celebrity, if you like, of some sort. You know, when he buys a car and he drives around in the town, everybody takes notice, a new house. But the Bible tells us all Lazarus had for companions are the dogs that come to lick his wounds as he sits at the table and waits for the leftovers to be thrown away from this rich man's table. Here we have a story. One man needs nothing. One man has nothing. Yet we find that as different as their lives may be, they both have a common fate, and that is they both died. Lazarus died, and no one noticed. Those who ignored him in life paid no attention to him in death. And the story doesn't go into details. Jesus doesn't go into details. But you can use your imagination from what you know of people who have nothing in this situation. And I think, I'm almost certain, that it was some cold, dark night. Lazarus, feeble and weak body, 
breathe its last breath. And sometime between that night and the next morning, while the street cleaners were cleaning up the street, they found Lazarus' body and they carted it off somewhere where it could be disposed of properly, perhaps. But then the Bible tells us the rich man dies. And everyone takes notice. A very important man in the town has died. The whole town has come out to his funeral. Lots of flowers, a huge funeral procession. He's probably got the most expensive casket. And he's carried down these marble corridors of his mansion. All his friends have turned out in their Sunday best because a very important, rich man has died. Nevertheless, they both died. And death is death. Dead is dead. Lazarus did not die because he was poor. And the rich man died in spite of his riches. Both died because they were human. And whether you're rich or poor, old or young, educated or ignorant, all of us have a common fate. Death has no prejudice. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. You know, people approach the whole subject of death, and I don't really mean to be morbid this morning. People approach the subject of death and the life after death with a great deal of doubt and disbelief. But I want to tell you this morning, I want to tell you something that makes a big difference. Eternity is forever. And there is life after death. It says it in God's word. And we know that God is not a liar. Jesus said it. It's very, very simple, really. The statement defines itself. Some people think that life, that death and life after death is just something that is made up by people to help you be more accepting, accepting of dying. Some people think it's a ghost story. And we know about ghost stories. I'm sure a lot of you, when you were younger, got together around a fire you know, nice lit fire and told ghost stories. And you know how scary those can be. Some people look at death and the eternity of death that follow, that, that eternity that follows death as if it's something too overwhelming. But believe me, after that, we'd still be alive, not in body, but in soul, somewhere. 10,000 years from now, 1 million years from now, we will be somewhere. You say, I don't believe you. Where did you get that from? Jesus told this story that we read about today. He, he gave that parable. And we have to believe him. He is the Alpha and Omega. He is the one that flung stars into space, who breathed life into Adam and Eve. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. If it were not so, I would have told you. If it were not so, I would have told you. If you believe in me, you will not die. A lot of people speculate about life after death, what it's going to be like. 
and they wonder. But Christ doesn't wonder. He knows. This is no ghost story. It is the absolute truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ that eternity is forever. The story that William read us earlier on, there are four facts that I'd like to draw your attention to about life after death, that Christ himself, not me, Christ himself revealed in these verses. And the first fact is the dead are still alive. See, the beggar died and he was carried off by angels to Abraham's bosom. Later, the rich man dies and being in torment of Hades, both of them die. That is, they ceased to exist here on earth, but they were still very much alive. See, our last breath on earth here is an instantaneous breath into the next life. Christ also confirms this when he spoke to the thief on the cross. What did he say? Today, this day, you will be with me in paradise. He didn't say after 200 years or after 10 years or after you've been in purgatory and you've, and you've, and you've done so many good deeds and you've done so much. Then you will be take, transported into heaven. Then you come to paradise. You know, because Christ is our saviour, we will never die. We, our bones may be buried or burnt, but our souls will be walking on streets of gold with all the saints that we've read about in God's word. We will be singing with the angels in heaven. We'll be wearing robes of white and wearing crowns of gold. We just sang that. And can it be, bold I approach the throne and claim. You know, but we have to do something before we get to that place. We are going home for the rest of eternity. Both men died. That was what they had in common. Common fate because they are human. See, the second fact about the afterlife, as Jesus pointed out in this parable, is... When you die, your identity does not change. And it's not like entering this uh, witness um, protection program where you get a new identity and, uh, and, and everything about you changes. Our identity doesn't change. You know, some people actually think, you hear them say, oh, when I die and I, and I get over there, I, I'll just have a, I'll, I'll be an angel and I'll just grow wings, have a halo and over my head. And all the evil that I've done here on earth is going to be left behind. No. The scriptures don't say that. Jesus said that in the parable that we just read about. When you die, who you are now is who you're going to be when you wake up in eternity. You know, how many of you have ever traveled to Australia, the other side of the world? After you cross all the oceans and all the seas and, 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 and all the rivers and, and all the land, and you get to the other side, 
Does your identity change? Does your moral code change? Does anything change about you? No, you're still the same. And it's going to be the same with eternity. Who we are and how we live now is who we are going to be in eternity and how we are going to be in eternity. See, the Bible tells us Lazarus, in the parable, Jesus said, Lazarus is still Lazarus. The rich man is still the rich man. And he knows he's the rich man. He knows who Lazarus is. He cries out. He cries out to Father Abraham and says, Have mercy on me. He knows exactly where he is. And as we read the parable, you find it ironical that the rich man says to Abraham, Father Abraham, send Lazarus, send Lazarus to dip his finger in the water and just touch, touch my tongue. The very same person that he ignored in life, the very same person he ignored and the one he refused to help is the same one he's asking for help now. See, he knew, he knew who he was. When we die, we leave everything behind. In this life, in the human life, this rich man had every drink you could imagine. Everything he had. He had every possession. But on the other side, he had nothing. Not even a drop of water. All our possessions count for nothing. You know, I've never seen a hearse traveling with a trailer hitch. You know, when we go, we leave everything behind. Nothing is important anymore. All your educational attainments are of no consequence. All your possessions are of no consequence. All your friends are of no consequence. It doesn't matter. You know, I know some people who, they spend their whole lives pursuing wealth, pursuing just that one more thing, just that one more degree, just that one more, if I could only get that. And they spend their time just pursuing earthly possessions. And nothing is wrong with earthly possessions. God promised to bless us. And as his people, the earth is his, and all in it is his, and therefore it is ours. We are joint heirs with Jesus. Nothing is wrong with that. But when we make it our God, when we put it as a priority and put God in the background, then what does it matter? Jesus said, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And this is what? Jesus was talking about in the parable. This rich man had gained the whole world. He was very rich. Had everything, servants, and, and everything you could possibly want. But he lost his soul. And the third fact that we see in this parable about life after death is memory. And some of you say, well, I can't even remember what I opened the fridge to get to this morning. I opened and I stood there for a good five minutes wondering, what did I open the fridge for? Well, you go all the way to the top of the stairs and you stand and you think, now what did I come upstairs for? I can't remember. 
But the third fact, as we say in this life after death, is memory. The greatest intensifier that man has ever known is memory. You know, what makes people cry when they say goodbye? Memory. Quite often, my mom lost, my mom lost her, her, my brother three years ago. Quite often, I talk to her on the phone. And sometimes she cries. And I say, Mom, why are you crying? Oh, well, I remember Peter today. I remembered when he was 16, uh, how he did such and such and such. And, and two years ago, he did such and such and such. You know, and she, she, she remembered she remembers, and that makes her cry. Memory. Some of the greatest sorrows and sweetest joys of life are all the result of memory, as one American evangelist once said. And in eternity, it will be exactly the same. Memory will either intensify the splendor of heaven or it will magnify the horror of hell. It's a very powerful statement here. Memory will either intensify the splendor of heaven or magnify the horror of hell. See, when Lazarus was in heaven, the splendor of heaven, when he was a beggar in this life, he had nothing. And he remembered the days when he cried, when he had nothing to eat, when he was so ill, he couldn't even hold his body up when the dogs came and licked his wounds. And I'm sure that many of us have times we can recall when we have cried, when we have been in pain, physical, and in all sorts of pain and distress, and we remember the pain of this life. When we've cried out to God, please, Lord, I don't know what else to do, where else to turn, help me. But that memory intensify the splendor of heaven because in heaven the scriptures tell us there'll be no pain, there'll be no sorrow there'll be no death, there'll be no parting Jesus will come and wipe the tears away from our eyes and our memory of the old life will just fade away in his presence of greatness and and majesty and, and the splendor of heaven. But memory will also magnify the horror of hell because the rich man remembered how he lived when he lived on earth. He remembered every opportunity he had to help others, but he refused. He remembered Lazarus. How many times did I drive past and see Lazarus there? Begging for food, which I had the ability to give and to share with him, and I didn't. He remembered that. And those things intensified the horror of hell. He remembered perhaps somebody who had spoken to him about Christ. And he says, I don't need God. I have everything I need. I've got all these possessions. Why do I need God? He remembered all those things. He remembered every time he got a bigger car, bigger, a bigger house, and, and, and been out with his friends. Then the scriptures tell us, finally, he remembered his brothers. Funny, isn't it? 
the things that he was remembering. He never thought of his brothers when he lived on earth, but suddenly he remembered them. And realizing the horror of hell, he said, Father Abraham, send someone to tell my brothers, please, I don't want them to go through this. I don't want them to end up like I did. Please, Father Abraham, send someone to tell them. Don't let them make the same mistakes I made. All he had were his memories. This is, this is the time when we make the difference. This is the time when we can make the difference for the future. How can I change my life now? What can I do different? You know, the older I get and the more I see of life, I realize that the only thing that matters in life is serving Christ, nothing else. Everything else will fade away. Things can be taken from you just like that. Physical possessions can go like that. We live in a very uh, uh, uncertain world. People are losing things, but you know what? We never, ever lose Christ. Never. He is always there. He's a solid rock on which we can stand. Eternity is forever, and that is a long, long time. And this is the day we have to choose. Not then. The rich man could do nothing when he was in heaven. He'd already lived his life. And he had to spend eternity. His soul is going to be there. And you know, it was a big separation. Big separation between him and Lazarus on earth and also in heaven. And a fourth fact I'd just like to get you to think about is See, the dead do not have the same destination. Everybody who dies doesn't have the same destination. This is God's word. This is not my word. It is important for us, you know, to remember this and to recognize this, especially the world in which we live in. You know, the world we live in... Every, everything is acceptable. Everything is okay. You can do as you like. As long as you don't kick the cat or, or be unkind to your neighbors, as long as you give a bit to charity and you're pleasant to everybody. Anything and everything is acceptable. And anything and everything goes. But the dead do not have the same destination. Jesus said in John 14. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man. You know, sometimes I listen to some of these uh, religious people the dial alarm says, oh yes, you can be on any road because all roads lead to one place. Oh no. The scriptures doesn't tell us that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. The only way. And sometimes it's important for us to remember that because 
of the society and the culture we live in. Well, yes, you know, as, as long as we're tolerant of everybody, yes, we are to live in peace. We are called to be peaceful people. But we are to know what is the truth, what is the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Yes, we are to be, be tolerant of others in the sense that we do not attack other people. But no, only Jesus is the way. You see, Lazarus and the rich man, they were separated when they got to eternity. They didn't both go to the same place. They were separated. And who separated them? God didn't. It wasn't like before they were born or when they were in their mother's womb, God decided, actually, you will end up here, you will end up there, you will go here, you will go here. No, Jesus doesn't predestine. We are the ones that make that decision. We are the ones that separate ourselves from where we end up. We make that choice today. Lazarus did not end up in paradise because he was poor. And the rich man ended up in Hades because he was rich. That had nothing to do with it. That is not true. They were separated because they made, because of the choices they made in life. One made a decision to follow Christ, one didn't. One remained uh, doing the things that he wanted to do. You know, the scriptures tell us that. What did Father Abraham say to him? No, you lived your life pleasing yourself, looking after number one. You held everything for yourself. You, you chose not to help others. You, help, you chose not to follow Christ. He was the one that separated himself from God on this earth and for eternity the consequence was he was separated from God. And then he said, Father Abram, send someone to tell my brothers. And what was the response? Well, they have the Bible. Moses and the prophets refer to the word of God. They have my word. And if they don't believe it, there's nothing to say that if I send someone from the dead to tell them, they would believe it. You know, sometimes I hear people say, well, prove it to me. Show me. Let me see somebody rise from the dead. I want proof. But Jesus is saying a parable. Even if you give proof, people will not believe it. They will find a way to disbelieve what you're saying. But it is true. It is God's word. We just read it. Luke chapter 16, we just read that parable, the story of two men who die and go to heaven, sorry, who died and end up in different destinations. Their destinies were different because of the life they chose to live on earth. We have all the proof we need 
we have the word of God and we know that this is how it is going to be. Now, I know a lot of us, if not all of us, you know, have, been, have met with Jesus, you know, and we live lives that are pleasing to God. But this morning, I was just wondering if there may be loved ones, you know, that we have, you know, father, mother, brother, sister, children, uncles, aunts, even our neighbors next door, very good friends, you know, that we know of who don't know Jesus. When we get to heaven, we won't see them. We'll see them afar off, but they will not end up in the same place as we do. And we have to be mindful of this at all times. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, the only way. And I hadn't really planned to do this, but I was just wondering if if we could just stand and if John can start playing for us the next hymn, All for Jesus. And I just want you to, th- to think about what, what we've just heard from God. And I know that you're probably saying, oh, it doesn't apply to me. But there may be somebody that you know of. As I said before, a member of your family, somebody who's very dear to you, that you've never lifted to God before. A child, a son, a daughter, a mother, a very close friend, your, your husband, a wife, that you've never really lifted to Christ before. But they really need to start thinking, what can I do to change my life? Because what you know then once you've been there like the rich man not possible to come back and change now but we can change now so if there's somebody that you you think of just lift them to God in prayer lift them as we sing the next hymn all for Jesus call their names because you know we need to pray specifically when we ask God for things Just call out their names, mention their names. God knows all about them. And when you pray, just say in your heart, Lord, in the next year, I want that person to to, to come to you, to come to know you. Either send um, um, the right person to minister to them or put them in the right place that they may hear from you and believe it. So let's, 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 Let's do that and let's stand and sing all for Jesus.